What's going on, family? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. It's your man, GB, Gerard Bonner. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you've had a great week so far, and that today is off to an absolutely fantastic start, as we do so regularly. A big thank you to everyone who joins us by way of social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Faction Show. Shout out, of course, to everyone who joins us here on podcast, those who are subscribed as well. Thank you so much for your continued support of what we do here on The Faction. Remember, of course, you can always leave a comment or rate what we're doing on your preferred podcast platform. Absolutely do that. We would certainly appreciate it. All right. So a couple of things to talk about today. First and foremost, let's look at Monday Night Raw, where uh, the ratings this week were pretty interesting. Uh, Raw came in with 1.722 million viewers this week. That's a small rise in comparison to last week, where they brought in 1.714 million viewers. That, of course, was the debut of Raw under ground and let me just say this i think right now it's just cool and passe to kind of beat up the wwe i mean they are the number one promotion uh they have over time gotten a number of things wrong but i think they're really starting to hit their stride in terms of what they're presenting during this pandemic i think we're all over the fact that you know hey there are no fans in the arena or the fans that are there are you know folks from the performance center but i think right now monday night raw is starting to produce enough stories to keep us interested whether it's the signing of dominic mysterio and just kind of the brutal happenings between him and seth rollins whether it's a look at what's happening in the women's division uh, this whole Bailey and Sasha situation, which, by the way, Bailey versus Asuka was an amazing match. I think one of the best matches we've seen of Bailey since NXT. It's just been incredible to watch the growth of them. This whole retribution situation, Raw Underground was a bit more interesting. Uh, and we'll get into Randy Orton and Ric Flair in a second. But Needless to say, that's about five things I just pulled out of Monday Night Raw, separate stories that are happening that are certainly piquing my interest and hopefully yours as well. Speaking of that, Raw Underground, it's second week, and uh, on one hand, I found it to be a bit more enjoyable than week one. Maybe it's because I had an idea of what we'd be seeing versus you know the first time where it was a brand new concept. I still don't think there's enough continuity in terms of do these matches matter? Uh, are they counting towards anything? Is there a championship? What are the rules? Don't really know, um, but it's intriguing to watch some of the new talent that's being premiered there, and of course, to finally see a women's match. I shouldn't say finally, it's only in its second week, but it certainly makes sense that Shayna Baszler would be there. Who could actually battle her uh, that we would say, yeah, I want to see that? Not sure yet. Uh, so definitely Raw Underground seems to be a work in progress. Very quickly, to talk about retribution, 
I think at some point, really, really soon, they're going to have to give us some names. They're going to have to take their masks off. We're going to need to see who they are um, and make some sense out of it. I've been trying to pick up voices and see if I recognize any of the voices. None of them look all that intimidating in terms of size right now. Maybe we'll feel more vested when they take their masks off. But right now, you know, they're just destroying property, et cetera, et cetera. What will that actually do? Um, you know, going forward, I don't know, but it's certainly going to be interesting to watch. I don't know how much longer they're going to be able to keep our interest with retribution with them just merely, you know, turning the lights out or uh, destroying property and the like. I don't know. So we'll have to definitely take our look out for that. But perhaps the, the highlight of the night would be Randy Orton, Ric Flair. I don't know how many of us saw this turn coming though Orton is considered to be a viper he's a snake we don't trust snakes and they'll turn on anybody including Ric Flair and uh, I just it was personal it was brutal um, it's the stuff honestly that we end up talking about for quite some time and so if you look at just the 2020 hit list for Randy Orton I mean everybody from Edge to Christian, uh, a world title shot that's coming, um, and now this Ric Flair situation. I just think that this could go down as one of Orton's best years ever. Can you imagine if he caps this off by winning the championship at SummerSlam? It's all very possible. Uh, so we'll be certainly taking a look at that to see what happens. But yeah, Randy Orton seems to be hitting his stride. I think it's going to make for a great match with Drew McIntyre uh, at SummerSlam this year. And there's talk of SummerSlam not being at the Performance Center. They're trying to do something different, but of course they haven't announced it because it's kind of hard to secure a place right now. Of course, it was supposed to be in Boston, but with all that's happening with COVID-19, that's not an option. There was talk of it possibly being on a cruise ship or a boat somewhere, kind of reminiscent of what happened uh, back in July of 93 uh, when Lex Luger on the USS Intrepid uh, answered the body slam challenge of Yokozuna. I don't know, because the problem in these scenarios, again, is could you actually get people on a boat? Uh, I will say this, though. They're likely tired of shooting in the Performance Center. I understand that as well. Uh, and it would provide some degree of, of a different background, a different surrounding for what is their second biggest pay-per-view of the year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens for WWE for SummerSlam, uh, which is happening in about a week and a half. Switching gears, of course, the passing of uh, Kamala uh, was a big deal for some, but I think it's also caused us to ask some questions. We put a question out on social media a little bit earlier uh, asking the question is this. So could Kamala or should Kamala be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame? That's one question. And question number two is uh, should Kamala or could Kamala, the Ugandan giant, exist in 2020? So I just want to give my two cents on this. First of all, should Kamala be in the WWE Hall of Fame? Uh, it depends on really what you look at in terms of criteria. For the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, the problem that I have is on one hand, you think of careers marked by championships and impact. Uh, 
and uh, there are parts of me that feel like Kamala should not be in the Hall of Fame. Then again, I didn't feel like the big boss man, Hillbilly Jim, Coco Beware, uh, should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not exactly sold that the Bella Twins should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure that I'm sold that the Honky Tonk Man should be in the Hall of Fame. So uh, there are some that can try to make a case for Kamala, the fact that, you know, he was uh, certainly one of the scariest wrestlers we ever saw, uh, a fairly great villain and the like. Uh, if he was going to go in the Hall of Fame, I think it's a tragedy that he's not alive to see it. I mean, he did pass at age 70 and there's been ample opportunity to get him into the Hall of Fame. Um, but for me, I'm not sure Kamala should be in the Hall of Fame. And I know that's probably not a popular opinion considering, you know, he just passed. And at times when people pass, we do like to look at them obviously very favorably and canonize them, dare I say. But I don't think that his impact was one that should afford him in the Hall of Fame when we don't have Vader in the Hall of Fame. Vader's a multi-time world champion across the world. Vader was far more intimidating than a Kamala. Vader was able to speak intelligently and, and given that opportunity. Um, I'm just not sure that the career of Kamala is Hall of Fame worthy. But I've been wrong about these types of things before. And who knows? We'll certainly take a look at it. Now, should Kamala or could Kamala the Ugandan giant exist in 2020? I also think the answer for that is no. Um, and my reason for that is this. Obviously, we're in a Black Lives Matter culture. We're also in a culture that is a lot more sensitive about proper representation um, for everyone. And I just think that in these days and times, um, they're much different than they were in the 70s and the 80s. In the 70s and the 80s, there was uh, opportunity and an allowance to be able to say, hey, we're going to present uh, African-Americans in this vein. We're going to present Africans in this vein. Um Let's just keep in mind that it was last year that for the first time ever, an African-born wrestler became WWE World Champion just last year. Uh, I don't know that a Kofi Kingston and a Kamala the Ugandan Giant exist in 2020 together. I just think that the presentation of a Kamala the Ugandan Giant uh, is insensitive, not just to African-American people, but to people of African descent. Um, you know, think about this. They went on and made the one-man gang, Akeem, the African dream, right? So I just think that our times are different, and I don't know that the wrestling world could get away with that level of stereotype, but I don't know. Stranger things have happened. So you tell me, do you think Kamala, the Ugandan giant, um, could exist as he was in 2020? Um, is that possible? And should he end up in the Hall of Fame? I want to get your thoughts on all of that right now. You can reach out to us by way of social media at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Of course, hit us up in all of these aforementioned platforms. And remember, tonight it's the Wednesday Night War. We've got more coming to you from NXT versus AEW. And speaking of AEW, their uh, women's tag team tournament has continued. They have now moved to the semifinal space. 
Two more quarterfinal matches aired this past Monday. It saw Leva Bates and Rache Chanel take on Big Swole and Lil Swole. Now, Lil Swole happens to be known as Nicole Savoy, and her and Big Swole had a, a really great tag team going on in Shimmer and in other places. Well, Big Swole and Lil Swole gets the win, so congratulations to them. Meanwhile, Eva Lise teamed up with Diamante to take on the debuting Rachel Ellering and Dasha Gonzalez. Dasha, of course, an interviewer for AEW. Rachel Ellering, the daughter of Precious Paul Ellering, who we saw in NXT and as part of the Mae Young Classic. Ivelisse and Diamante, just a couple of weeks ago, battled each other, but they have been teammates all across the world. Congratulations to Ivelisse and Diamante, who won that tag team match. So it creates an interesting scenario next week. Two semifinal matches, as on one end, Big Swole and Little Swole take on the Nightmare Sisters, and on the other end, Ivelisse and Diamante take on Tay Conti and Anna Jay. I'm just going to put it out here now. I think somehow we end up with a final of the Nightmare Sisters against Ivelisse and Diamante, though personally I'd love to see Big and Little Swole take on Ivelisse and Diamante. But you can find out and catch up on all of the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament on their YouTube page, and the next episode premieres next Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. All right, with that said, we're going to get on out of here. Hope you guys have an amazing Wednesday. We've got some content coming your way as all the guys are getting together for a conversation that you guys are going to absolutely love. So get ready for that. Until then, it's your man GB representing from my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and John Murray. Collectively, we're known as The Faction. I need my